0: Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. So, I'm going to be talking on the topic of faith today. Is that okay? I'm going to be talking on the topic of faith. And uh, this actually isn't in my notes, but I just felt it was really important I say this before I do anything. And that is if you're here today and uh, maybe you don't, you wouldn't say you have a relationship with Jesus. Um, maybe you would say that you're not religious. I just want to explain a couple of things about the importance of faith before we go anywhere. So in the scriptures, it says that we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. There's something that you're going to hear a lot in church. Now, if you're not used to church, you're going to be thinking, What's, what does grace mean and what does faith mean? I'll be honest with you, For about, for a very long time, I reckon until I was 22, people talked about grace all the time. I just thought it was the thing that you said before you had dinner. I didn't really understand it. Um, so let me just quickly explain this because it's important. Um, so we're saved by grace. Grace is the fact that God is a merciful God. <laughs> what was that sound? That was <laughs> time for sleep. Is um, grace means that God is a merciful God, but he's also a powerful God. So we're saved by his grace. We're, we're saved because he's merciful. He wants to save us and he has the ability to do it, the power to do it. So we're saved by grace through faith. What does faith mean? Well, the way that we almost allow God to save us, we allow His power to save us from death. um, We allow His mercy to come and save us from death is by believing in Him, by believing it, by believing that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. So if you're here today, and uh, you would say that you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you need to know that God loves you and he sent his one and only son Jesus to die on a cross for you. So simply by believing in that, all of a sudden you have access to that powerful grace, that saving grace, which means you may pass away physically, but guess what? That's the only type of passing away you're going to experience when you die, because you're going to go into eternity forever and ever with your Father in heaven, where there is no sin, where there is no death, where there is no evil. At the end of this service, you're going to have an opportunity to give your heart and your life to Jesus. So I just wanted to start by saying that. Um, who here likes McDonald's? Yeah. Yep. So... Every, most Wednesdays, maybe not every Wednesdays, but most Wednesdays after small group, by the way, small groups kick off this week. If you're not in a small group, head to the Bright Church website, make sure you get into a small group. If you wanna be pastorally cared for, and if you wanna grow in your relationship with Jesus, if those things aren't important to you, then you might not need a small group. But if they are, I encourage you to get into a small group they kick off this week. So after small group, um, me and my wife, what we tend to do is we go for a Macca's run afterwards. Um, on 9 p.m., usually we get up and we're ready to head off and do our Macca's run. The reason we do that is because usually we don't have time to make dinner before small group. So about six months ago, we went and did this and Amy ordered what she usually always orders. And that is a McChicken meal. If you're a lady in the house and you often order a McChicken meal from Macca's, that's the normal thing you order. Can you put up your hands? I feel like this is like the norm. I don't want to like be stereotype anybody or, or women. Um, But I find that McChicken Meals are pretty... Yeah, I got a a nod down the front. Um, So, my beautiful wife, she often orders a McChicken Meal. So, got a McChicken Meal, I got my meal, we got home. She bit into her McChicken Burger. And just from the look on her face, something wasn't right, okay? So, a McChicken Burger, it's pretty straightforward. Four ingredients. The bun, that was there. The lettuce, that was there. The mayonnaise, that that was there. The most important ingredient that makes the McChicken burger is the crispy bit of chicken. She bit into it, something wasn't right. She opened it up. Instead of having a a nice crispy bit of chicken, she had a beef patty. (laughs) Does anyone here have mayonnaise with their beef? It's a weird flavor. And uh, it completely ruined the meal for her. It was pretty sad. She was pretty disappointed. A hungry, angry wife is, it's not good. (laughs) I I think someone said amen somewhere. So, you know, it's funny how sometimes just one thing off, um, one thing missing, it can change everything. And when I think of our relationship with Jesus, and let's just call that our Christianity. When I think about our, our Christianity, The most important ingredient that gives it power is faith. When our Christianity is lacking faith, when faith is low, it doesn't look what it should look like. It doesn't sound what it should sound like. If it tastes like something, it definitely doesn't taste what it should taste like. Faith is so important to our Christianity And that's why I'm going to be addressing it today. The past three years, let's be real, for a lot of people, they haven't been easy. There's been lockdowns, coming out of lockdowns, back into lockdowns, wearing masks. Don't need to wear a mask anymore. Wait a second. You do need to wear a mask now. Um, Man, killer viruses, isolation, people struggling financially, people struggling socially, I mean, there's been a lot of issues, a lot of things. And even though we're a quarter of the way through 2022, maybe your COVID hangover is still there. Okay, so everyone's saying, hey, that's in the past, we've moved on. But maybe for you, it's still there. Like you're still that hangover, it's still there. And maybe through those three years with everything that was happening, maybe, just maybe, it's impacted your faith. And your Christianity, when you reflect on it now compared to before the events that have just happened, it, it doesn't look the same. Maybe you're not in the position that you would like to be with Jesus. And maybe, just maybe, it's because everything that you've gone through has impacted your faith. Faith really, really matters. In fact, we come across the word faith in the Bible um, around 500 times. It depends on the translation that you're looking at, but many translations have the word faith in the Bible around 500 times. The word faith um, in the Greek, the original language in the New Testament is the word pistis, and that's the noun version, but there's also an adjective version and a verb version. So the word, word faith, it's actually quite complex. It comes up so often. I tell you, someone who talked about faith a lot in the gospels, Jesus. He talked about faith all the time. And when I read through the Gospels, I often, I often hear Jesus saying, you know, the reason it didn't work out the way you wanted it to work out, the reason there is this problem at the moment, it's because there's a lack of faith. Jesus attributed so many problems that people were going through or the lack of fruit that people were experiencing to something called faith. You need to know that faith matters. Your faith matters so much and you're going to be honestly struggling. You're maybe not gonna be um, where God wants you to be if your faith is really low. So what we're gonna do today is look at faith a little bit more and figure out if our faith is low, how can we stir it up? Because the good thing about faith is that it never completely goes. Sometimes it can go dormant and what we can do do is we can stir it up again. So who wants to stir up their faith? I mean, come on. Even if you feel like you're in a great place with God today and your faith is like here, let's take it up to here in Jesus' name. Come on. So I want to read to you um, a story out of Mark. I want to read Mark chapter 9, verses 14 all the way through to 29. And we're going to start at looking at verses 14 to 19. And before we get into it, I just want to give you a little bit of context. So Jesus has just been on a mountain with his three closest disciples, Peter, James and John, and he transfigured before them. Sounds pretty awesome. He transfigured before them. So in a moment, what he did was he pulled back the curtain and he revealed his godness to him because Jesus was fully man, but he was also fully God. So in a moment, he revealed to these three closest disciples his godness, his glory. And it says that his clothes were as white as snow. His, his face shone like the sun. His eyes were, were shining bright. Just imagine it. Imagine seeing Jesus in all of his glory. And they had that supernatural out of this world moment. But then after that, they come down the mountain. So Jesus comes down the mountain with his three closest disciples. And what they walk into can only be described as a chaotic scene. So let's let's read about it. So in verse 14, it says this, and when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? So picture this. So Jesus just transfigured before his three three closest disciples. They're on cloud nine. Like this is amazing. They come down the hill and there's people arguing. It's an uneasy environment. Have you ever just walked into a room and it's like, man, the vibe is off here. Have you ever felt that before? in an awkward meeting or something, and it's just negative energy, you know what I'm talking about? Well, this is what Jesus and and his three closest disciples walked into. It was just chaotic. The reason it was chaotic um, is because there's all this arguing happening between his other disciples and these religious people, these scribes, these Pharisees, probably Sadducees there too. um, and, And it's just, it's uneasy, it's a mess. And he asked his disciples, why are you arguing with these people? What's going on? And then his disciples don't answer, A man answers. Out of the chaos, a man answers. And let's read what the man says. And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. So what has happened is this man has brought his son, and his son has a problem. And the problem that his son has is actually out of this world. It's a spiritual problem. So his son has a demon and and that is manifesting in some physical things that are not working in his body. It says the boy is mute and that he also, he has seizures. Now, what I've come to learn is that spiritual problems require spiritual solutions. I think in 2022, we forget this. You know, we're so smart. We've done four years of university. You know, we think we know everything, and even though we've grown in our head knowledge, I think a lot of us aren't doing so great in terms of our understanding of spiritual things. So this man has brought his son to Jesus because he knows that Jesus—he's the guy who can help when it comes to spiritual issues. And he comes and he brings his son. Jesus isn't there, so he goes to the disciples. The disciples pray, but but the prayers aren't working. And what results is just a messy situation. There's mess everywhere. And here's the truth that we can take away from from just the start of this passage. And that is, when an environment lacks faith, it always results in mess. So if your life lacks faith, if you're low on faith, what that can look like for you is mess on the inside. So let me explain how that can feel. That can feel like anxiety. So you can have a lot of anxiety in your life. You can be someone who is maybe really uncertain. Maybe you can be unwell. You can get frustrated easily. You're discontent. You're overly emotional. You're all over the place. Because when faith is low, when there's a faith problem, often that can result in mess and a mess on the inside. And if you're here today and you're experiencing that, I just want to encourage you and say, I reckon today is the day where things can start to turn around. I reckon today is the day where your faith can start to grow. And before you know it, you're going to be someone who, even if everything on the outside is crazy, on the inside, you can be as solid as a rock. Because when your faith is high, you can be solid and you can be sturdy in the middle of a storm. So, I want to read to you what Jesus says in Matthew 21, because this is also really important. So Jesus says, and whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Faith connects us to heaven. Faith connects us to heaven. When we're low on faith, we're not as connected to heaven as we should be and therefore mess can result. In James 1.6, it says this, but let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the winds. When you're low on faith, it feels like you're being driven all over the place, tossed by the winds. When you're low on faith, mess can be the result. And if you find today that's where you're at, maybe it's because faith is missing from your Christianity. So to get faith back, and that's what you need to do. If you're low on faith, you feel like a bit of a mess, you've got to get faith back. What you need to do is you need to go after the thing that fuels your faith because there's something that fuels our faith and the Bible gives us insight into what that thing is. So I want to keep reading um, from this historical narrative in Mark chapter 9. We're going to read verses 19 through to 22. So let's keep reading the story. And he answered them, this is Jesus. And I actually love this. (laughs) I can just picture Jesus saying this. Actually, I picture Jesus thinking this about me sometimes. Um, He says, oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. Honestly, I think Jesus got frustrated sometimes at the lack of faith that he saw in people. In verse 20, it says, And they brought the boy to him, and when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. Now, as soon as the demon, which is residing in the soul of this boy, saw Jesus, the demon kind of freaked out. The reason is, is because this demon understands who this Jesus is. Now, Jesus existed before he was born as a baby. He actually didn't have the name Jesus before that. Um, Yahweh, he existed before time and space. Jesus is God. He existed with the Father, with the Holy Spirit, right? And, and there were angels and some angels fell and some of those angels, they, when they fell, they became demons. So this demon knows exactly who this person is. And that is why when it sees Jesus, it reacts. It starts to freak out. Let's keep reading what happens. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us. That last sentence is so important. He says, if you can do anything, Jesus, please please have compassion on us. What that is right there, that's the thing that fuels faith. That's hope. There's a glimmer of hope. Hope is the thing that fuels our faith. In Hebrews 11, 1, it says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So faith is the assurance of things hoped for. So if you're not, hoping for anything, if you've lost your hope, if you don't have vision for a better future, if you've stopped dreaming, then it cancels out faith because faith is the assurance of the things that you're hoping for. Hope fuels our faith like nothing else does. So if you want to get your faith back, well, it starts with hope. Um, in Romans ten seventeen. It says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So, so this is how it works. It starts with hearing. The hearing leads to hope and the hope produces faith. So I love movies. They always come up every time i preach. let's be honest. And uh, I particularly love Marvel movies. I was speaking to a person at an engagement party last night and he was telling me that Marvel movies aren't deep enough for him. I was like... You serious? They're the best. And then I kind of, you know, moved away and got into another conversation because he wasn't my type of person. Um, No, that's not true. I tried to connect and be like, yeah, I know what you mean, I know what you mean. But deep down I was like, I don't know what you mean. Um, So I love Marvel movies. Um, Marvel movies are different to others. And actually I need to explain this, just in case you're not sure what Marvel movies are. They're like superhero movies. Um, So there's lots of superhero movies out at the moment. A lot of them are Marvel movies. Now, at the end of a Marvel movie, something weird happens that doesn't usually happen in other movies. It finishes, the credits start to roll, and people stay in their seats. (laughs) In other movies, people get up and they leave. But in Marvel movies, people are just hanging around. And I remember the first few Marvel movies I was in, I was like, what's going on? This is weird. They have faith <laughs> that it's not over yet, that there's more, all right? It started with hearing. Hey, you know in these Marvel movies, they've got like mid-credit scenes, post-credit scenes. Make sure you don't leave too early because you're going to miss out. Sometimes the mid-credit scenes, the post-credit scenes, they're better than the movie. So make sure you hang around for that. It starts with hearing. So all of a sudden you start to hope. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, this movie could have that. Yeah, you start to hope. You see, you hear, then you start to hope. It produces a hope, which leads to faith. Now, faith is where the rubber hits the road. This is the action part. So the faith is waiting around, even though you don't know for sure there's going to be a post-credit scene, but you're believing. So the faith is waiting around, hoping that there is going to be a post-credit scene at the end. So the hearing creates a dream or a vision of what can happen. You even start to picture it in your minds. It's building up your hope. And when that hope reaches a a certain point, it produces a behavior, which is the faith, which is waiting around. And we actually see this um, in this passage of Scripture. So let me read to you now. Mark 9, 23 through to 27. So after the man says to Jesus, if you can do anything, like help help us, Jesus, this is what he says. And Jesus said to him, if I can, all things are possible for the one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. I believe, help my unbelief. Let's just pause for a second because this is huge. Okay, for a long time, for a really, really long time, I thought that faith was just believing and not doubting. I'm just believing. I'm not doubting at all. I just, everything's gonna work out. I'm just believing. I can't have any doubt. That's what I thought faith was. I thought that belief couldn't exist with doubt. They couldn't exist together. That's what I thought. I I thought when it came to faith, You couldn't have faith in the equation with doubt because they just don't go together. But now I realise that that is actually not true and not biblical. Faith is choosing to act in alignment with your belief rather than your disbelief. It's, It's a choice. It's like, you know, God... I. I'm hoping that you can do this. I'm believing that you can. In the back of my mind, there's some fear and there's some uncertainties. But you know what? I'm going to choose to believe. And I'm going to act in alignment with my belief over my disbelief. And that is what faith looks like. So that's why the Father says to Jesus, I believe Jesus. He believed so much that he heard about this guy called Jesus who's performing miracles. It built this hope within him. So he took his son, parents, think about this. He has this son who's been struggling with this issue, this spiritual issue for so long. His son's mute. It seizes him. Just think about how hard, how challenging that would be. When I read it, honestly, uh, it impacts me. And I'm not even a a parent yet. I'm going to be a mess when I'm a parent. It impacts me. So the father's like, I'm at wit's end, I've got to do something. So he believes that, yeah, maybe this Jesus person can help me. So he takes his son, probably travels a really, really long way to wherever Jesus is, just hoping, believing that maybe, just maybe things can change. Just maybe there can be breakthrough. When he gets to Jesus, Jesus says, if I can, all things are possible. And then the father cries out, I believe, help my, other, my unbelief. He, he believes that Jesus can do it, but still in the back of his mind, there is a part of him that's struggling to believe. And I think we just got to understand that it's okay to sometimes struggle with a bit of disbelief, but don't be led by your disbelief. Um, it goes on to say in verse 25, And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mutant deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, sometimes things get worse before the breakthrough. I think someone may need to hear that today. It's almost like a last ditch effort. The demon, it convulses the boy, but then boom, there's breakthrough in a moment. Sometimes, sometimes things get worse before the breakthrough. And the boy was like a corpse so that most of them said he's dead, but Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. Noah was someone who I think had to believe, even though maybe, I reckon probably there was a bit of disbelief. So Noah, he built an ark. The reason he built an ark is because God said, Noah, you need to build an ark because a flood is coming and it's going to wipe out a lot of people. It's going to cover the earth. So you need to build an ark to save your family and save some animals. And uh, imagine hearing that word from God. (laughs) Just imagine like Noah building this ark, people walking past, the sun is shining, clear skies, the forecast is no rain for the next few years. (laughs) And here we have Noah building this huge ark. I bet there were moments when he's like, oh man, I'm not sure about this. (laughs) But he chose to obey God despite what was right in front of him. You know, we're called to live by faith and not by sight. So Noah was choosing to obey the voice of God over probably some questions that he had in the back of his mind about how this is going to work out. You know your belief is outweighing your disbelief if you don't give up. So if you are a man or a woman of faith, you are someone who's led by their belief over their disbelief. Okay? And you know if this is you. You know if you're being led by your belief over your disbelief if you are someone who perseveres. Perseverance. Gosh, perseverance. It is so important in 2022. It's going to be really, really important in the times to come. It's going to be important in your life, perseverance. Gosh, what an important thing. I think that uh, I'm a teacher. This isn't in my notes, but I'm just going to say it really quickly. Um, You know the students often who are the ones who go on to succeed and do great things? It's it's not the ones who are always just naturally gifted. It's the ones who persevere, honestly. It's the students who persevere, who don't give up, that are the ones who usually end up to go on to be the most successful perseverance. It's an underrated quality. It's just so important. You know you're being led by your belief over your disbelief if you you are someone who perseveres. And guess what? Even Jesus Christ had to persevere sometimes. Before this story that we're reading about in Mark 9, um, there's another one similar to it in Mark 5. Now, I remember when I first read this, something jumped off the page to me, and I'm going to share it with you because hopefully it's going to encourage you. So Jesus, once again, is casting out a demon out of the man. Now, in verse 5, chapter 8, it says something really interesting, and I just want to highlight a word. So it says in Mark 5, 8, if you've got a Bible, you can look at it. It says, for he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. So picture Jesus, he's doing ministry on this man. Um, He's casting the demon out. And when I first read this, I was just like, wait a second, what? Why does it say for he was saying to him rather than he said to him? I'm like, this is Jesus. Jesus says it, it happens. Awesome. Let's move on to the next person. Right? Jesus is the son of God. If he says something, everything just needs to obey straight away, surely. So I was like, why does it say saying? It almost sounds like He had to say it more than once, but surely it's Jesus. He didn't have to say it more than once. But then I opened up my study Bible, I got my you know, um, teacher on, I started to explore a little bit and most scholars agree that in this circumstance, um, Jesus had to say it multiple times. He had to say, come out of the man, you unclean spirit, because this spiritual issue, this problem, it was a stubborn one and it wasn't obeying straight away. It had to, because Jesus had authority over it. This is Jesus, the Son of God. He had authority over that thing, but it wasn't obeying straight away. So Jesus just persevered. He continues to persevere. And eventually there was breakthrough. I wonder how often we give up too early. I mean, if the Son of God, if Jesus had to persevere, don't you think we have to too sometimes? When it comes to praying for things, You know, when it comes to praying for healing, when it comes to praying over the people in our life who don't know Jesus, when it comes to praying um, for freedom, for some things that we're struggling with, don't you think that we need to pray more than once? If Jesus had to pray more than once, oh man, sometimes we got to go to work, ladies and gentlemen. In the spiritual realm, we gotta go to work. We gotta pray and pray and pray, remembering we have authority, being led by our belief over our disbelief. And eventually, it's inevitable, we are gonna see the victory. We were praying that before. We will see the victory if we persevere, because perseverance is the proof of faith. And faith is the thing that leads to miracles. So if you're here today and you've given up, right? You've been praying, you prayed for something for a while, maybe you've given up. Can I encourage you, don't stop? keep praying. Don't give up. What if it's just a couple more prayers away? That's the thing. We don't know everything. We're not God. He hasn't revealed everything to us. He's revealed the things He has revealed to us so that we can live the fullest life that we can live. He deliberately chooses not to reveal everything. He deliberately chooses not to reveal all the times and all the seasons, but He asks us to persevere. Despite what you're going through, despite what you're experiencing, keep going. Don't give up whew, all righty. good mate. So, I, uh, there was a season in my life where I had to persevere, to be honest with you guys. So, at the age of 12, um, I was diagnosed with an immune condition, um, inflammatory bowel disease, at the age of 12. That's the worst news you want to get as a 12-year-old, by the way yeah, by the way, you have this incurable condition that's going to really impact your life negatively for the rest of your life. Awesome, right? Talk about terrible news to get as a 12-year-old. I'm just about to go into high school. And basically, for the next 10 years, from the age of 12 through the 22, this thing really impacted me. I'm someone who plays things close to my chest. I'm not always... Well, I'm less like that now, ever since I've, you know, have to come on platform and preach, I've got to be kind of real about things. But generally speaking, I, I'm not that much of an open book about some of the deeper things that I'm going through. And um, I, I really struggled with this for 10 years and it gradually got worse and worse and worse. to the point where I was 22 and eventually I'm like, gosh, I got to see a specialist. So I went to the specialist doctor, I was on some medication for it, it wasn't really working. I went to the specialist doctor, um, I had a colonoscopy Anyone have a colonoscopy in the room before? <laughs> oh no, don't put it on. Keep your hand down, everybody. Um, and uh, the specialist said to me, like, "How have you been living with this?" They literally said, "Your large intestine looks like a bloody mess." It wasn't good. It was really bad. They were really surprised. Like, mate, like, what? Have you, are you serious? And um, the amazing thing was is that I had been praying for a really long time to God. God, can you please heal me of this thing? Have you ever, like, bargained with God? Like, God, if you heal me of this, I promise, I'll do whatever you ask. (laughs) I'll just, you know, I'll quit my job. I'll just tell people about Jesus every day. You know, if you heal me of this Jesus, I'll fully surrender everything to you. Because I think deep down, we all know we're kind of holding on to things. We're not all fully surrendered. Um. So I bargained with God and I asked him, God, if you, if you deliver me from this thing, I'll do anything for you. And you, I, there was just a bit of hope there, you know? Even though things were getting worse from 12 to 22, things gradually got worse and worse and worse. There was a little bit of hope. I was still believing that there is a God. There is a Jesus. Jesus does love me. And I believe that he can heal me. Ten years praying. And then at the age of 22, when things were at their very, very worst... Um, this specialist doctor told me that, hey, Matt, there's actually this new drug that's been created and they're trialing it and I'd like to put you on it. And I went on to this new drug and in the course of about six months, my condition completely went into remission. Now, it just so happened that that correlated with me repenting So I repented of my sin and I turned my life and my heart back to God before that happened and then immediately this new drug became available and my whole life completely turned around. There was just a bit of hope there. There was a bit of belief. I I decided, you know what, I'm going to continue to be led by my belief rather than my disbelief and I think that was the thing that eventually led to things changing for me. You know, I could have allowed my heart to get hard. I could have grown bitter towards God and right now, I could be playing golf rather than preaching at church (laughs) because I wouldn't be at church because my heart is hard towards God and I don't have a relationship anymore. But I decided to be led by my belief over my disbelief. So if you're here today and you're low on faith, if you're here today and your world feels like a bit of a mess at the moment and and maybe you're you're starting to realise that maybe this is a faith problem, what you need to do is you need to stir up your faith. You need to stir it up and you can stir it up. You know, maybe you're, you're low on faith because your hope has been deferred. In Proverbs 13, 12, it talks about how hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. And, and maybe you're in the position that you're in because your hope has been deferred. Maybe you're low on faith because you've started to prioritize earthly wisdom over the things of God. That's another thing that can steal our faith. But the biggest thing that steals our faith is disconnect in our relationship with Jesus. Disconnect in our relationship with Jesus is the thing that steals our faith over everything. So in order to stir up your faith, you need to go back to Jesus. You need to start to prioritize your relationship with Jesus over everything else. And when you start to do that, trust me, your hope will start to increase. And before you know it, you'll be a man and woman of faith, where in the past, you're a bit of a hibernating Christian. So how do we stir it up? How do we get back to that close place with Jesus? I just want to give you three things then we're going to pray and head into worship. The first thing is the word. So in Romans ten seventeen, we read, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. You need to start to hear the words of God again. You've got to go to his word and start to hear him. And that will start to build your hope. So the word, the second thing, let me read to you out of Romans 4, 20 to 21. It says, No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. So the second thing is praise. When you give glory to God, when you lift up the name of Jesus, it can sometimes seem as though this is a physical thing, like a physical movement. You're opening your voice, you're singing. It's quite a natural thing, but Spiritually, things are taking place within you. Um, When you lift up the name of Jesus, spiritually things are happening. And can I just tell you, there are going to be moments when you're in church when the last thing you want to do is lift up your hands like the crazy Christians in the front row. I was a back row Christian for most of my Christian life, guys. I didn't want to get down there. That's like, it's awkward. But it's the best thing for your soul. And sometimes you just got to do what you know is best for you over what you feel comfortable doing. And sometimes you just got to lift up your hands. You got to lift up your voice. You got to start to sing because as you do this, you're stirring up your faith and you're allowing God to do something within you. So you got to praise. And the third thing that you got to do is you got to pray. So at the end of this Mark 9 passage, Jesus has a conversation with his disciples. Let me read it to you. In verse 28, it says, And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer and fasting. What Jesus isn't saying is, is prayer and fasting is a magic formula. So the next time you come across a person with a demon, you're going to pray, that thing's going to go running. It's not a magic formula. What he's saying is a lifestyle of prayer and fasting develops a close, intimate relationship with Jesus that builds your faith, where you will start to walk within an authority that correlates with signs and miracles. you got to start to pray. You've got to start to fast. Praying and fasting, it builds that connection between you and God. And it renews your mind. You start to think different. You start to get a God perspective rather than an earthly perspective on things. And then it's going to be a lot easier for you to live in alignment with belief rather than disbelief. So those three things, if you want to get close to Jesus again, The Word, praise, and prayer. So why don't you close your eyes? I want to pray for you. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.